Wine Time. Every Friday during the lockdown period, we catch up with one of the property management personalities across New Zealand and we take questions from our audience around the country and beyond. In our first Wine Time of the lockdown period, we caught up with the young director of Tommy's Property Management, Harrison Vaughan. Harrison is based in Wellington, working for Tommy's for the last three years, which was a startup property management company, and he's going to share with us some of his insights into the industry and his opinions. Um, so, first of all, Addison, where's your bubble? How's life in your bubble? Oh, life, life in my bubble right now actually isn't too bad. I'm just um, out at our house in Granada in Wellington, um, and today's actually a good day, so it's been quite enjoyable, but... You know, it's pretty good. I have only ventured out of the house once since lockdown began. Quick trip to um, the supermarket, um, which was n- non-eventful. Um, right. But other than that, yeah, just been pottering around the house, mowing the lawn, doing lots of around the house things that you normally put off for ages. How are you? How are you finding? Um, you know, running a property management team and a successful property management team um, remotely, uh, and how are you? Fi- how have you adapted? to working from home yeah it's actually been really interesting for us because when the company's only been around since really early 2017 so we've always been a quite high-tech company in terms of the systems and software that we use when word came out that there may be the potential for us to have to work from home um it was really easy for us we just literally picked up our laptops and walked out the office. Yeah. Um, everything we have is cloud-based. We're pretty much a paperless office. All the software we use uh, can be accessed anywhere. So that's key things like Palace Liquid, which is a fantastic product. You've got things like Tappy for your maintenance. Um, and then we use uh, Renty for our rental applications and digital signing for both management and tenancy agreements. Um, so with, with that alone, we are able to actually pretty much entirely function anywhere that we want to be. Um, so it's been really stress-free for us, and some of our staff sort of started working home a little bit before the Level 4 um, quarantine, so we were able to get staff out there a week early, and they were able to almost test run it for us before everyone then just jumped ship and started working from home. So can you tell me, you're saying there that you're doing digital signatures. Um, were you doing that before the lockdown and before, was that already in place in terms of like tenancy agreements and yeah, things like that? We've, we've, so we've been using Renty now since, oh, it would be pretty much start of the year, 1st of January, I'd right. say. Um, and yeah, we've been using digital signing with that since, since we started using it. It's changed our entire process for tenant move-ins. It's allowed us to remotely video like we are now with tenants talking through the tenancy agreement we're not having to do face-to-face even though like face-to-face right now is an issue prior to then it was still hard to fit in with people's busy lifestyles a time where you could all sit down and talk about the tenancy agreement so this is great because we can talk to them at home or before work early in the morning Um, we can get the tenancy agreement signed it's all done over line there's a um, an audit history of everyone that's viewed it, everyone that's signed it, if there's something they're unhappy with, they can sort of make note of that and not sign it as such. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also does management agreements too. So we've been, whilst we've been out at level four working from home, our BDMs have been sending out multiple management agreements to clients yeah. and we're able to secure their 
their management whilst we're all sitting around at now, home. Now, is it true that one of your property managers, Julia, did a did a remote like um, presentation to a landlord and secured the business? You were telling me about that. What was that like? Yeah, so this was actually, be- I think before or right when we switched to level four, would have been early last week. Um, and she did a FaceTime with the client. Um, you know, it was before the level four, and it was because her grandparents were staying and they were over 70. Yeah. She didn't want anyone in the property. So the vendor walked Julia around through FaceTime. Um, and through that, she signed the property up to about an hour and a half over video. Um, and then with the online signing, she was able to actually send her the agreement whilst they were still talking online and talk her through how to understand it and how to sign it. Yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of questions coming up. And guys, keep the questions coming in. I will get to them in a moment, but we just want to get a bit of background about this young lad. And Because how old are you, mate? Uh, 24. I actually turned 20. 25 in oh, a month and a bit. Right, okay. The 22nd of May. So I hope, I hope we're out of lockdown for my birthday. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do. So, you know, and you've been the director now for, what, three years that, that they've been in operations. You would have been 21 when we started. Uh, Tommy's, I mean... Yeah, it was it was November 2016, or October, November 2016, that we sat down and started working on the business plan, started working on the marketing plan and how, you know, what our value proposition was and everything like that. So... Yeah, it's been a long, long haul. It's at the end of this year. It's been four years since we initially started planning it. And what was and how long have you been working at Tommy's? Because it wasn't you didn't just find you on the street, did they? And, and got you in and thought, "Here's a young lad. Let's get him running property <laughs> management." No. How did all this come about? No, so I've, I have been at Tommy's now since I was at high school. It would have been about 2012, 2013. Um, my my father is a real estate agent at Tommy's Real Estate, and he got me a part time job working on a Saturday at reception. Yeah. So we used to have our office open on a Saturday because back in the day, people loved to, um, you know, pop on by. I mean, Nowadays, back in the day, listen to you. Listen to you. You're happen. saying back in the day as if you're like, you're, you're 48 or my age or whatever, and you're 24. <laughs> yeah. But a lot's come up. So much has gone a long way since 2012 in terms of technology you know yeah, on yeah. the technology front it's as much as much has happened in the last eight years as what had happened in the prior you know 20 years or something like that so it's it is a long time if you think about it from a technological point of view yeah okay so we've got a few questions coming in and we'll go to the floor now um so shardy hope you're well shardy you're doing well um what was your motivation around starting a property management company and that's a question that we've got there from shardy who uh, works at the red yeah. shop up in auckland the primary reason the primary motivation for me um to do this with an opportunity in conjunction with tommy's real estate it was i really wanted to shake the industry shake a industry up and i saw property management as being a bit of an archaic industry that hadn't had a bit of young innovation brought into it for a long time there was a big divide between tenants and landlords there were two different sides of the fence um and a lot of people that have been working in the industry a long long time you know hold more of those traditional views of you know that's us versus them where now we need to be a more of a collective where we're one big group of people yes we are tenants and landlords and we have different um, different interests and different reasons for investing and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we need to work together. Otherwise, it's not going to help either of us. Right, right. And do you think... That, sh- that, that was the key sort of 
reason why I went into property management was because it was I thought it would be an industry that would be quite easy to sort of disrupt. Yeah, yeah. And do you find that, and do you think that is the case? Do you think that, because clearly you've had great success. I mean, a lot of people will say, well, you've got a bloody big sales team behind you feeding you all these leads. How have you generated the leads? I mean, what percentage does come from your sales team? Some do come from the sales team. It's probably not as much as people out there probably think. I would say it would sit at about 30%. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 30-35% would come from the sales team. Um, But but that's a key thing too is in in some companies out there where there is a sales and a real estate, sorry, a sales and a property management team, there isn't the gel or the bond between the two and they are sort of seen as property management has always been seen as the poor cousin to real estate and what we've done a lot at Tommy's is we've tried to show that that isn't the case and we we've been successful in that and now it is a really good bond between the sales team uh, and the property management team we all get out we go out we socialize we are one big family even though we are two separate businesses yeah and we've got a question here which has come up around like your sales team from uh mike i'm not sure where mike is based but um referrals i mean what do you do in terms of referrals between property management and and sales of your is a is a quite a a, a, a big um referral system that works or is it really just done on a handshake and maybe a beer and a coffee yeah it's it's really a case-by-case basis uh there is a bit of an established referral scheme for tommy staff and nz realtor staff um throughout the nation so explain Uh, but outside of that there are yeah can you just explain what the nz realtors is because a lot of people who are tuning in they may be going who the hell are they yeah, uh, so the NZ Realtors, they're a collection of all the independent uh, real estate businesses. So you've got, oh, I don't want to name any of them incorrectly, but you've got obviously Tommy's Real Estate, you've got Property Brokers, you've got Barfoot and Thompson. Uh, David, you might have to assist. You've yep. got Edinburgh's down in... Dunedin. You've got Caldean, you've got Caldean Co. in Christchurch. You've yeah, got Summit, Co., yeah. Summit in Nelson and Tasman. And you've also got, and I know he's tuning in, so I can't forget him, um, you've got Lodge in uh, the wonderful metropolis that is Hamilton. So, so you've got, so you do the whole referral. Explain that how that works. That referral through that network on that nationwide. How does that work? Yeah, so through that network, usually what happens is um, all, all the companies in the network sort of know of the referral scheme. So, if a referral is given, the, the payment is just made once the deal's done right. between the two agencies. Okay, and what's the payment? I think it's between two hundred and two hundred and fifty dollars yeah, per yeah. referral. So it's there yeah, from yeah, the NZ yeah. Realtors. Yeah. So where else do a lot of the leads come from, mate? I mean, sort of obviously you get about let's say you get thirty percent through sales. What's self-generated through the the, the, the the marketing that you do? Yeah. So pretty much all of our other business comes from either word of mouth or referrals from our existing clients or you know, bankers and mortgage brokers and insurance brokers that we have good relationships with. Um, and the remainder is all purely organic through our website. Our website is still our biggest source of inquiries. Yeah. Um, I mean, since lockdown went on, it's the first weekend I haven't had several inquiries on a Monday right. um, from landlords wanting their house appraised or managed. So it's it's... The key, the key driver for our business is the web and the digital channels through Facebook and stuff like that. Okay, well, we'll come on to this in a moment. First of all, Robin, I'm very, very sorry. I didn't mention McDonald's in the Taranaki. 
which is part of the New Zealand Realtors group. I've just been absolutely castigated online, and I'm probably going to get a one-star review now on Google from uh, McDonald's. So, so everybody, please go on the best website because they've got the best name at McDonald's. Um, and it's not the burgers we're talking about here; it's real estate. And the website's e i e i o. Really good. Um eaio.com yeah, yeah i like the domain name yeah okay so i mean you've started this business from 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 scratch and and you've obviously focused a lot on the digital aspect and and facebook how yeah. have you engaged in terms of social media um with your potential client bases whether they be tenants whether they be landlords there's probably a few of you watching that do follow our social media channel channels we primarily go on um facebook linkedin and um instagram? instagram yep yep and we find most of most of the leads or most of the actual leads that turn into something quantitative would be through facebook or linkedin instagram is more of a um just to show off be visually nice and sort of you, you gain your followers through that um it's very good for communicating with tenants instagram lots of young tenants have instagram so we've been able to push some of our COVID-19 messages and status updates through there. Um, and the other primary channel is Facebook. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of followers on Facebook, approximately how many do you have? And, and what do you do to keep, oh, keep the engagements? And what... To be honest, I wouldn't really know. I mean, the, the object of the Facebook page has not been to keep our current clients informed. It is more of just a brand awareness page for the general public. Um, we have our own private sort of dashboards and stuff where we can keep our own clients informed on more internal matters and stuff like that. But for stuff that the general public are more than welcome to see, we have that all distributed on Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff like that. Right. Okay, I'll come on to those things that you just mentioned before in a moment, The uh, you know, on a dashboard. We've got a, a questionnaire that's coming from Terry. Um, so what would have been your biggest hurdles in going out on your own in property management? Biggest hurdle for me would have actually just been learning the Blumen RPA and learning what property management is. I'd only ever worked in um, a real estate business and I wasn't a licensed real estate agent, but I, working in the IT sector of that company, I knew all the ins and outs and all the real estate terminology. Um, and that gave me a good footing and then obviously met up with David Faulkner in, in late 2016, early 2017. And from there, he sort of gave me the knowledge to sort of build on what I had learned in real estate to actually sort of figure out the RTA and, and what um, property management really is. So I'd say that was the biggest hurdle was, was getting the actual knowledge that I needed to know what I'm talking about. Do you find that... You know, in, in your dealings within the industry and whatever, do you, what do you, would you say the level of knowledge is like in terms of legislation uh, across across the industry? I'd say it, it varies depending on how long they've been in the industry and what their exact sort of role is. You know, most, most senior property managers and most property managers that have been in the industry a good three plus years all tend to have a pretty good knowledge and i know a lot of them now are doing the level four qualifications and other things like that which will obviously help um, broaden the knowledge for most of the industry um, but one issue i do tend to come across is just because there's been a lot of changes in the law for the in the last sort of 18 months there's a lot of people that may have been in the industry 10 15 plus years that are just struggling to adapt um, or get used to the adjusting rules mm -hmm. 
Okay, okay. And, and look, I've got a lot of... overall knowledge is pretty good. Yeah, I'm, we're getting a, a lot of questions about Renty. Can you just... What is that again? Sorry, can you just spell that out? R- R-E-N-T-I? Oh, yeah, R-E-N-T-I dot co, I think their website is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is for anyone out there that has ever used TPS or Tenancy Practice Services... Um, for your credit checking and your background checking and your tenancy agreements, it is it is exactly that. Now we've got a, um, so we've got they, a question. Yeah, so just a question here about bonds and and digital signatures. Are you, are you using digital signatures yes. for bonds? And no problems with yes, that at yes, all. No, and I've been yeah, I've been using a digital signature for my landlord signature since the day we started on bond forms, and we have never had a bond not refunded, not lodged. You've just got to make sure they are actually signing it and it's not printing their name digitally, yeah. which some software companies do, and that, that won't be accepted. It's still got to be a proper hand-scribbled signature. Yeah. Um, but as long as you can do that digitally, you're fine. You know you know what I find, mate? I'll just, you know, we've got a few more questions coming in, but since we've gone into lockdown and you're working with trainees doing this qualification, it's quite funny because you're actually, you get some who may be a little bit more, technology type challenge and the same David I, I can't print off forms how do we get them signed as evidence and you go online with them like this and you coach them how to use things like yeah. Adobe you know pro and how to and you can see them lighting up going oh, I didn't know you can do this one of the things about this lockdown it's going to make us uh, it's going to push us um, to use technology better more efficiently and what I'm finding Actually, I don't need oh, an office. Definitely. I don't need an office. I have my colleagues literally next to me on a on a monitor, which I can talk yeah. to. Um, you know, you know. Anyway, question. Oh God, we got a question from um, from the, the powers that be at the Real Estate Institute. Hi, Hello. Joe. Hope you're well. Uh, for many property management offices, working remotely has been highly successful. Do you think that this? It's kind of this leads on to what we're talking about. Do you think that this will change the way we look at operating our premises in the future? Oh, I definitely think it should. Um, like moving forward, there really is no reason, not that we've ever required our staff quite often work from home. They're very flexible with their working arrangements. But yeah, moving forward, you, you could definitely justify why is there a need for an office except for a branding sort of exercise and to have a place where people can still walk in. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing has changed since we've moved home. You know, it's a bit niggly in terms of bond lodgements and stuff like that. But other than a few little minor, minor hiccups, which we'll find workouts around, mm. um, yeah, I could easily easily shut the office up tomorrow and just work from home. Do you think this is going to impact commercial leases and, and what's going to happen with, with rents commercially? I Yeah, I think, I think there may be a lot of people out there that because of this have had to convert a garage or a spare room into a bit of a workplace and once this is over and done with, they're going to be like, "Hey, look, this actually isn't half bad. Why are we, why are we wasting three or four thousand a month in rent in the city, where we can be here rent free or for next to nothing?" Your business doesn't really meet customers. Like, if customers aren't walking into the office, there is no real need for you in this day and age to have an office. I mean, like Tommy's has obviously got massive branding around the Wellington region, which is, which would, no doubt, yeah, it certainly it would have helped you. Um, but I mean, I suppose this is why your digital footprint also has to be so good. So if you haven't got that street presence, you've got to have a very big, powerful, you know, web-based um, identity yeah. as well. I mean, question which, well, which question is coming from Anita. Sorry, mate. I, 
questions coming from Anita because I want to try and get through as many of these questions as we can. Um, yeah. and, and, and mate, I'll just let you know this is your competition, okay? So just be careful what you say. This, this is Comprende. This is your competition. All right. Uh, Addison, are you asking tenants to complete their own routine inspections? So look, at this stage, we're not. Um, the only thing we're doing in some instances, just because of the particular property or the particular tenant, um, maybe it's a tenant that's got some bad history and they're sort of getting a second chance, or maybe it's to do with the insurance. We are getting some tenants to email us through about just 10 photos of key areas, um, but we're not doing any sort of live FaceTime videos or anything like that. You know, I don't really see the point in doing a live video. You've got to try and schedule a time with the tenant. They're probably trying to work from home at the moment. Their house, if it's anything like mine, it's going to be a pigsty because you've turned your dining table into an office and you've got computers on your kitchen counter. So, I mean, it's not really a good time to be inspecting anyway. Nah. Um, obviously, insurers are insurers and they might not be that lenient with, you know, the insurance sorry, the, the gap between inspections, but the people I've talked and spoken to, if you're able to show that you have tried and you have got inspections previously when they were due and you're going to do inspections as soon as this is over, um, it shouldn't be an issue. I think the actually insurance council actually come out and, and basically given some guidelines around, you know, it, if it's not, it's got to be reasonably practicable to do an, to do an inspection mm -hmm. and, and they're not going to, you know, poo-poo any claim if, if anything goes... Um, um, skew exactly and I mean half the problem with like doing a video inspection is every tenant and every property manager's technical ability is different mm -hmm. and you're going to end up spending 20 minutes half an hour trying to show some tenants how to do it and you've run out of time and got to move on and this is a good moment for property managers to sit down and not stress out about inspections and focus about other parts of what they do in their job and how they can improve their service delivery, um, how they can improve their efficiencies. It's a good time for them to check their um, databases, make sure they're all clean and tidy. Yeah, yeah, I think that this is the perfect time to go in and make sure that everything is, is absolutely spot on, whether it's palace, whether it's property tree using, whatever it may be. Uh, another question from Teddy. Um, I find it hard to switch off come five o'clock as many property managers probably do, and that's why we tend to enjoy this a little bit too much, maybe. Um, and yeah. find myself constantly looking at my phone um, and relying yeah. on emails late at night. What do you do in regards to switching off and resisting the urge to check your work emails in your personal time? Teddy, that is a fantastic question. What do you do, mate, and what yeah, do you encourage your team I mean, to I do? I actually love that I've got this question because when I started this role, I had that exact same problem. I, I couldn't disconnect. I'd be sitting on my phone, checking emails, checking texts, right up till nine, ten o'clock, pretty much bedtime. The best thing I've done is uh, my phone doesn't show email notifications. Yeah. I have to open the Outlook app. Um, so nothing, my phone doesn't ding, vibrate. You know, I'm now back in charge of my emails. I check them when I want to check them. They're not telling me when to check them like they used to um and i've turned off um uh, do not disturb so i've got an iphone and from seven o'clock every night do not disturb's on so no texts no phone calls notify me unless they ring two times within a couple of minutes um and the reality is is we've got a dedicated phone line in the business for emergency numbers so they shouldn't be calling me anyway if it is an urgent issue um 
so yeah pretty much after well i've got to be honest this week pretty much after four o'clock i've been switching off yeah okay now you talked about emergency numbers and 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 so most emergency calls that you get will be around emergency maintenance i know that you know you were one of the first yes. doctors um with tappy and, and tappy kind of used you as a bit of a guinea pig with a lot of new stuff that they bring yeah. in uh how do you how have you found that working with your business you know, Tappy's been absolutely fantastic. And obviously last year we launched the Facebook Messenger AI robot and that's been phenomenal in terms of reducing the amount of phone calls and emails we get. Um, say that again. Facebook Messenger AI robot or chatbot. Yeah. Well, what is yeah. that? What is that? So all of our tenants... They, it's just like when you chat to your mum or dad or your mate on Facebook Messenger, mm-hmm. um, but instead you're actually talking to our system and our system is responding to you um, and narrowing down your problem and working out how urgent it is. So say, for example, a tenant has a leaky uh, bathroom tap. They would say, you know, hi, I've got a leaky tap in the bathroom. It would be like, okay, where's the leak coming from? And it would show them like a picture of the spout, a picture of the handle, and a picture of the, the pipes or where it joins onto the sink. They narrow down where it's leaking from, whether it's a drip, whether it's a consistent drip. Um, you know, is there another sink in the kitchen or in the house that they're able to use at the moment? And from that, it will build a work order to put into our system and it will give it a rating in terms of urgency. Yeah. Um, and what we're just trialling with now is the ability to, I guess eventually have have that all just flow through so like if, it, if the system knows that it's a burst hot water cylinder and it is urgent it is just contacting my preferred external plumber urgently instead of then you know notifying me and then i've got to now ring the plumber all it's doing is adding another person in the middle okay so we just want to automate that and streamline that whole process as much as possible and tenants absolutely love it yeah. uh, we've been getting so many maintenance requests during this COVID 19 lockdown tenants are obviously sitting at home with nothing better to do um than to submit maintenance but i mean that shows you that it must be very easy for tenants to do so because so, yeah. some of them are rattling through 10 and 5 minutes so how are you dealing with all these maintenance requests when obviously you know you can't go out and and you can only do what is yeah. essential maintenance around so safety we're, we're and the well-being categorizing them at the moment we've told all tenants that if there is an urgent problem to ring the 0800 number and not go through the online system and that way um the person looking after the 0800 number will be notified straight away and can deal with that hmm. okay 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 do you think that with, with what we're going through at the moment um is it capable i mean i don't know where but because at the moment i mean look listen i had to fix a bloody washing machine last week you know and, and these are things that i'm probably the worst diy person is this a point where we're actually yeah. getting to a point where we're coaching tenants how to do basic repairs in a position where well, we can't you know we can't send someone round well yeah that's almost like what the tappy robot does to so say if they said my light's not working it would get them to go and check the fuse board it would get them to go and replace the light bulb so it's just sort of an extension from that from getting them to do just a few more things um that we might usually deem a tenant wouldn't do um so you know i definitely think it's possible before we know it there'll be you know dishwasher installation videos yeah yeah okay okay 
Uh, we'll, we'll just wipe far through these questions. We've got another one there on rent. Don't we? We've got key apps. Uh, what key apps do you use? So we've got a. Do you use a key app uh, or know of a key app or to track keys in and out? Uh, and that's from Monica. Yeah, I see. I and that's see. from Monica. So yeah, we use a, a software called Log It Out. Right. And it's just Log It Out. One word. It's log an Australian it company. They're absolutely fantastic. Um, so we have uh, key boxes um, and we have a barcode scanner hooked up to a laptop. And every key has a barcode on it. And you pretty much, every staff member has a barcode um, either on them or just sort of by the computer. So they scan themselves and then they scan as many keys as they want and just walk out. And when they come back, they just have to scan one key from the group they took. And it will ask them, are you returning all the keys you took out or have you left some of them out? And they scan them back in. So it's fantastic. And then once a week or once a fortnight, we sort of do a key order um, chase up on any tradies. And it will, when a tradie takes a key out, we can put in a due date. So we might say, look, you've got to get this back to us within 48 hours. If, it gets close to that due date and they haven't scanned it in it will text the tradie and then if it goes overdue it will text the tradie saying look the key's now overdue we need this returned urgently so it just means that someone isn't having to constantly keep an eye on the keys um and we can sort of just look at it once a week i mean you've got apps for everything haven't you, you know, do you have apps that tell you when you do a coffee and when you do a wine or anything like that it, it, it's just you know Oh, that would be good. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Okay, the all right. clock would be going off every day. All right. So, uh, oh, Michael Abbott's been with us. Uh, how are you, Michael? He's got to head off. Hopefully, it's not because he's bored. Um, but anyway, let's just... We've got a few more questions now. Looking at um, rent defaults, which is obviously very topical at the moment. And we've put out a bit of a survey um, to business owners. And if you want to, we'll be putting up the results of that survey early on our website um, next week around rent defaults and what's happening. What are you finding that's happening with rent defaults at the moment? We haven't really seen too much yet. I mean, in Wellington, we do have a lot of government workers and a lot of our staff or a lot of our tenants are corporations or organisations or governments renting out on behalf of employees. Um, and most of that seems to be unaffected. We've had a small portion of tenants under, I'd say, less than 25 tenants contact us who are potentially unable to pay rent or have lost their job who you know in the next coming weeks may not be able to meet those payments so we're, we're treating with each case and in, like individually um, on a case-by-case -case basis we're approaching the owner with different suggestions and we're just sort of uh, getting a solution that best suits both parties so you're seeking evidence it's a very difficult matter. of course it is are you going to the tenant uh, and saying asking know, for we, we, yeah yeah, we are seeking evidence. We have had, we've had more than 25 tenants tell us they can't pay rent, but we've only had about 25 or so come back with actual letters or evidence stating that, you know, they've been made redundant or their pay's been reduced. Um, there have been a, a bunch of tenants that just don't reply after you send that email, um, and you can sort of assume why. Yeah, okay, okay. Where do you think it's going to go with this then? Because obviously, I mean, as you say, you've, you've got a lot of government workers, but you also probably have a lot of people who freelance and, and work independently and all yeah. of a sudden, and people in hospitality working in hotels, the cafes, the bars, the restaurants. Um, you know, what? where do you think it's going to go if, if this continues, say, for another month? Yeah, it's, got, it's, it's if this goes on, so what are we in, first of April, uh, start of April now, 
if we're still in this sort of midway May, end of May, I mean, it's going to have much bigger effects on the economy and the flow on effects from loss of jobs and everything like that. I mean, the government package that they've just given out only goes for the next 12 weeks. So whilst everyone may have some sort of support, I guess, or some sort of comfort for the next 12 weeks, most people in terms of their income, um, if it drags on beyond that, it's going to be very interesting yeah. to see how it plays out because as a property management company, obviously our, our revenue is directly derived from the rent paid. So if if rents are being slashed across your portfolio, it really is going to take a big hit uh, um, on the property management business. I've got someone telling me not to touch my face. Fair enough. That's very good. Um, Yes. Yeah, I've got I've got the tissues. We've got sanitizers around everywhere, so don't you know? And I, my wife is really she's a clean freak, so yeah, she's just, hand sanitizer. there you go. Well done, mate. So well done. Yeah, and we're more than two meters, aren't we, Addy? We're more than two meters away. Yeah, um, more than two meters apart. All right, Rachel's coming with a very very good question, a really good question um, around in terms of those rent defaults and 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 whatever. And when you're yeah. seeking evidence, she goes. What evidence are you asking for? And you may not have had this, Harry, so if you can't answer, don't worry. Uh, mm-hmm. What evidence are you asking for if somebody is self-employed? That's a very good question. We actually haven't come across that yet. I guess if they're running their own company, if they can show us that they've had a massive drop in revenue, which would effectively result in a loss in their income, that should be sufficient. I mean, on, on that, Rachel, I know a little bit about that. We approached the Privacy Commission um when, and we asked them about what can we do about seeking, are we allowed to go to the tenants and say, look, can we have proof of your hardship? And they said, yes, you can. And and so I think you can actually, you can see, they, they can prove to you through whether it's um, through the bank, but we've got a letter template which you can get off our website. And in there it states that we're not allowed to ask for, you know, see your expenses. We just want to, you know, if you can show your income and if your income's dipped, then... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I hear you. I know, I know. I can see an exclamation marks on your question. We're not asking for bank statements. We're asking for they can no, go to the no, bank not, and, not, not and they can no. export as an Excel. They can show their income. They can maybe send that to you without showing. Um, yeah, God forbid. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Even I, like we, we've had some com- we've had some tenants just show us a pay sheet from a month ago. And then they've showed us their pay sheet from last week, and you can see the difference in what they're getting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Understand. Okay. A, a question here with Airbnb, and I think it's a very good question. Um, yeah. Do you see the Airbnb market crash is going to be long term, um, or do you think that you know once this passes, we're going to see all these landlords go back to Airbnb because of they don't have to worry about all that legislation? I think Airbnb is going to be dead for the rest of the year, personally. It's going to be a long time till international borders are open. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to wait till every other country sorts their stuff out till our borders even consider taking in international travellers. That's a big section of your Airbnb market right there. The other half is obviously New Zealand domestic travellers. Now, I don't know about you, but the people I've spoken to, a lot of them are not exactly keen to go jump into a bed that they don't know who slept in before straight after all of this has happened so i think that there might be yeah it's i personally if i had an airbnb i'd be putting it long term now for a long time um it's definitely put me off even looking at airbnb in the city um you know that's something that you might look at one day but this has just crossed out for me completely so you were looking at i do not see why 
Yeah. So are you looking at it as a business model as potentially Tommy's getting to that short term letting? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, as a property business, you sort of look at every different property venture there is within the industry, and we definitely have had a bit of a look at Airbnb. Um, and it wasn't something that we were interested in, and this just further sort of supports for well, I guess why we shouldn't really go there. Well, you definitely don't want it to be your only source of revenue. If you were a one hundred percent Airbnb management company, I mean, yeah. you, you you're gone now. Yeah, you've gone. You've gone completely. I mean, some you, of the you've things got to, you've got to have a good a good lot of you know a good fifty or so long term rentals if you are a small business with only one or two people. So that when stuff like this does happen, you're still getting the revenue to, to pay the bills. And do you think rents are going to drop, mate? What do you think? Because we've obviously seen a flood of... And it's really interesting now because if you go on to... Yeah. I've actually thought about going to Ryan Clancy at, um, at Trade Me with this and saying, mate, you know, it'd be great to compare how many rental properties are available now compared to when it was this time last year because all these Airbnbs mm. would have converted. Do you see now a gradual, yeah. you know, what's going to happen with rents? What do you think is going to happen with rents? I don't know. I think it, I almost think it's too hard to tell now because I I don't know what what's going to happen when this is over. I there are lots of tenants right that were due to move out of properties to go overseas. Now their plans are completely ruined. Are those people going to choose to move out of their rental property or just stay where they are? So. I don't know. I, I I think after this, we might see a whole lot of tenants who are supposed to move or supposed to leave over winter just opt to stay where they are. Um, you know, I think, yeah, the housing market is going to be so interesting when it opens up. I don't really know what to predict. There's probably... I mean, we're still getting tenants contacting us. Yeah, like yeah. Pre, pre-showing interest and we are trying to work with a few tenants at the moment to get some tenancy agreements pre-drawn up. So that the second level four is lifted because the house is vacant, um, they can literally just go there straight away as soon as it's lifted. So there are still people wanting to move, but where the issue is is you've now got owners stuck in their house that were meant to be in Australia. Yeah. So now the owner has to physically change their plans, which may you know their plans may be postponed for a good twelve months now. So whilst there is a whole lot of property coming into the rental market from Airbnb. I think we'll almost see just as many properties either pulled or like they can't be used because the owner's trapped in them pretty yeah, much. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's obviously got to impact uh, the longer this goes on, it's got to impact um, the sales. Yes. What, what's got to, what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with house prices. There's going to be a lot of people that, probably try and sell their house after this that are expecting the price that they were going to get before the COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously with things like the low interest rates and stuff, like that will help support the house prices. But I think we will definitely see some sort of drop in them. Um, I mean, people still need to move. I don't think it's going to necessarily slow the market down. And if prices do come down a little bit, um you may see some people that do have the financial ability snap up a bunch of property quick yeah um but then on the flip side you're going to have a whole lot of people that are potentially unemployed who don't have the money who don't have the kiwi savers that they used to have that are now having to turn to renting yeah yeah you know what i mean there's probably an opportunity so if you're a bdm kind of twiddling your thumbs a little bit you could probably look at your rent roll and have a look at who the well-established landlords and how much equity that they've got maybe finding because I tell you what, some there will be some savvy investors 
who will come out the other side of this and will probably look to reinvest in, 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 in property, won't they? Um, another good question here from Joe, yeah. mate. Another very good question here from Joe. Um, with all the technology you've got, you know, do you think there's a little bit of a risk that you lose that people's side of the business? What do you do to maintain that people's side of the business with all those apps and, and, and the, the rights of technology you have? Yeah. Yeah. So to not to not lose that people side of the business, we do a few above and beyond things. Um, we always we try to do as many tenant uh, move-ins as we can. So that's where we meet the tenant physically in person at the property for half an hour, walk them through the place. Um, and we do tenant move-in hampers. So they get like a little hamper with a bunch of household things, a bit of food, maybe a scrubbing brush, um, yeah, bottle, uh, bottle of juice or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Just a bunch of little things to make moving in a bit easier. Yeah. Um, and then a big thing for me is I still solidly believe in picking up the phone. Um, in service industries, you cannot ever like be scared of the phone. If you're scared of the phone, you're not going to succeed really. The phone is the best way to solve problems. You can't solve problems through email or through typing. Um, so I you know, every day my property managers, my BDMs are expected to ring a certain number of existing tenants and landlords just to check in on them. And, you know, they all have certain amounts that they can spend per month to take landlords out for coffees, for lunch, for morning tea. Um, whenever a landlord's in the city, we always do extra things like go pick them up from the airport, take them out to a coffee, and then we'll go take them on a private tour throughout all their rentals. Yeah. Um, so it's those extra bits that we do. Um, and I think, I think overall people do like the technology. It means that, you know, if an owner wants a copy of their tenancy agreement, they can just log into the portal and download it. There's no emailing me, waiting for me to get to my desk. Now that's seven hours later, you're finally getting what you wanted. So this is, so this is your owner so, dashboard. You know, you, you, this is your owner dashboard you were talking about before. How does it work? So it's called MacArthur, and we're actually at the moment rebuilding the entire thing from scratch. But um we built it for ourselves it's our it's our own owner's portal it talks to palace um and we're trying to get it to talk to a few other bits and pieces like rentee and stuff moving forward mm. um and the owner can log in they can see their balance to the hour in our trust account so they can see if the tenants paid their rent today if they haven't paid their rent today if they've got these invoices that they know they've got to pay from the rent, they can say, hey, look, I've got five grand sitting in Tommy's account. I can cover these bills. That's fine. Um, they can view all their routine and pre-tenancy and end-of-tenancy inspections per tenancy. Um, our routines are videos that are embedded on the page um, with a bit of a summary above and a bit of a list of any work orders that may have been generated from that video. Um, and the pre-tenancy is a bit more of a, a video, but it does have a bit more of a PDF report attached to it, right. just so that you know the tenant signs agreeing that they they agree to the condition that we say it's in. And, and in terms of before, so all of that yeah. is, on, is on that system. So before we got into all this, you were already doing things like your three hundred and sixty, your virtual tours of, of, of rental properties. Do you think yeah. that's going to become more mainstream yeah. now? That's going to force a lot of companies to get a bit oh, more tech savvy. Definitely. Before lock, when we found out that level four was coming in on Monday, between that Monday and Wednesday, we had about twelve properties three um, D. What's it called? Like toured, yeah, um, yeah, and inspected. So we we use we use a, a technology called Matterport, um, and we use that to both advertise the property, 
and to also do an inspection of the property. Right. So the tenant now gets a gets a virtual walkthrough of their house before they get there, and they can walk through it step by step. And when they get to something like the alarm panel down the hallway, a little like bubble pops up and they click on it and there's like a little instruction manual on how to use the alarm panel. And even we can embed a video or something like that if we want to show how to use it. That's fantastic. And then for the inspection, you know, when, when you step into the kitchen, all the cupboards explode open so that you can suddenly see what's in every cupboard, what's inside the dishwasher. Um, you, you're looking at the kitchen, one second everything's shut, and then you walk forward and everything's open. Okay, so a couple of questions here. What's the cost of uh, doing that, mate? And also, um, how do you take yep. Matterport into Tenancy Tribunal with you for, for inspections, the old dinosaur that is the Tenancy Tribunal? Yep. So for inspections, within the Matterport um, 3D tour, you can export, like, it's not taking a screenshot. You're actually exporting the image that you're seeing. So what you can do is you go through the 3D tour on your computer, and then you can go to a certain room and export the image from the pre-tenancy. And then obviously you've got your evidence from your routine or your end of tenancy that you've done to compare it. Now with Matterport, it's it's like a hundred and fifty megapixel camera. So the detail that it gets, you can you can zoom in to like a little you know, five millimeter tear in a wallpaper from three meters away and you can actually see it. Right. So it's, it's phenomenal, the quality that you see. Um, and we've used it for insurance and we've used it for tradies. So you'll get a tradie, you know, there might be a, a electrical socket that's not working in a bedroom. But instead of them getting there and trying to fumble around which bloody socket it is wasting 10 minutes, we can actually send him like a map to that exact socket through the Matterport 3D tour and attach that to the Tappy work order. And then that way, the electrician, he can walk all around the house. He can go over, look at the electrical board to see what sort of fuses and stuff there are. He can work out exactly what he needs to do before he's set foot in there. And nine times out of 10, that's actually got rid of the whole process of having to quote. So most of our people can give a pretty good accurate quote from the 3D tour and the information they provide them. I'm, I listen to all this, what you're saying, and we've still got some heaps of questions coming in here. Um, but is there, a, is there a risk that we're actually going to make ourselves redundant the more we become more oh. reliant on technology? Yeah, and I think, I think that just has to be something that maybe property managers need to... I guess except as the world moves on both property managers and real estate agents both of their jobs obviously are one day potentially going to be replaced by computers but there is always that human aspect there that you're going to need yeah. i think what technology is going to do is it's not going to eliminate property managers but it's going to almost maybe double or triple the amount of properties that an individual can manage because they're not having to do inspections um not having to focus on as much maintenance because it's being automatically processed not having to meet up with tenants for tenancy agreements um you know maybe doing virtual viewings and then doing virtual tenancy interviews or something like that instead of meeting them at the property all the time mm. so yeah i think there's lots of things we can do and as as more and more younger people become the be sort of become investors like that younger generation step into the footsteps of the older investors 
I think we may see more adaptation of this sort of technology because landlords will will start expecting it because that's what they get from their bank or that's what they get yeah. from their I don't know whatever other companies that they work with they're getting this high-end digital tech so the property management sector kind of has to follow suit and get up there I mean can I ask I mean this is me asking not from the audience here but the age base of your clientele because one of the things I find I go around a lot of companies um a lot of landlords are pretty old you know the baby boomers and in 10 years time they, they yeah. some of them won't even be here um are you finding your client base is a little bit younger because of the things that you're bringing to the market uh ooh. i guess i haven't really said I, I wouldn't really know compared to another company's portfolio in terms of the average age of uh our investors i mean the ones that i deal with are a huge range from you know 60 plus right down to 27 28 um we do have a couple of investors in their similar age to me in their young 20s but they're you know and they're just starting out on that one or two properties and i think that might be an area that we can definitely gel with well you know the average age in my company i think is 13. the oldest person's 33 or something so you know, we range from, from 23 to 33. That's everyone that we've got. So we are quite a young sort of company and we gel really well with those sorts of people because, I mean, for starters, it's just little things like the landlord might want to communicate on Facebook Messenger. Now, there's probably a lot of property managers out there that might not have Facebook Messenger or might not be up with it. So it, it's just a matter of being able to, I guess, align the technology with what the expectations of the of the landlords are. And as we get more and more into high tech, you know, the landlord's expectations just going to get higher. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a last couple of questions. We're coming up to five o'clock. We we haven't got long to go, so we'll just wind this session up, mate. So um, we've got a question here from Andy. Have you seen landlords selling due to a decrease in in a return on investment? And do you think you'll see landlords pulling after this? Uh, do you think you'll see four sales? after this i i yeah interesting with obviously all the law changes that have rolled out over the last sort of 12 to 18 months we have seen a massive sell-off from our portfolio i mean just in january alone we had about 30 properties sell um and i mean that that, that was our busiest biggest sell-off month ever and most of that was due to the fact that now healthy homes is coming up and they're having to start putting a lot of money into these properties most of these properties were the older stock um and if it wasn't the older stock it was it was more or less you know the the purchaser has purchased a brand new house but you know they weren't able to move in at the time that it settled so they've rented it for a year and now they're starting to occupy their own property mm -hmm. um i don't know if COVID 19 will necessarily result in a massive sell-off um, you know, with the interest rates and everything that are out there, if landlords are restructuring the right way, um, they might be able to sort of get a bit out of this. Uh, last couple of questions before we finish. How much of your new business uh, is referral? How much is from things like Google reviews? How do you how do you measure your business? That's from Tanya down in Christchurch. How are you? Or well, I think she's in Darfield at the moment, probably sat in a spa drinking a glass of Chardonnay, if I know. Tanya. <laughs> well, that sounds nice. Yeah. Um, so how do we measure the business in terms of like where we're getting inquiries from? 
most of that is just standard. I mean, we're just asking every customer during every interaction, like, you know, how did you hear, hear about us? Um, and we do have things like referral schemes for our clients. So if a client refers a friend, there's got to be something in it for that person to refer their friend. Otherwise, they're never going to bother. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's where we look at. And we're quite um, creative with those ideas. You know, I don't want to give an owner 500 bucks, which he can just go and, I don't know, buy Briscoe's or something. I want to give him something that he can spend on his investment property to make it better. Yeah. So what our referral reward is, is we give our owners a voucher to spend on our trades people for their property so, so that might be like a 400 dollars voucher or a 300 dollars voucher yeah. and that just sits in the system as a credit and then they can either pretty much once 300 dollars of bills comes through we'll just pay it or you know if something big happens we will cover 300 dollars of cost um, and quite often it can be a good way to get a landlord who's really hesitant in spending money to spend a bit of money. Right, so we'll just have to wind up now because we've got to five o'clock. We've got people watching from Australia. We're going to say hello over to Matt who's in South Gippsland in Victoria. Hope you're well, Matt. Oh, that's good. Yes. We've, got some, uh, we've got an international audience here, mate. So um, what are you going to do when all this finishes, mate? Where are you going to go? What will you do once I, this I finishes? I am missing the human, the, it's the human interaction. It's the day-to-day -day socialism of being with the team and, and meeting clients face-to-face. -face. And I actually really miss going to properties. Yeah. The best part of the job is, is going in through all the different properties that you see every day um and meeting people in, in very different and unique circumstances and and that's the part of the job that i'm sort of missing because being stuck at home you know a lot of that if you are doing it is over the phone is over video like we are now and it's just not the same yeah so that it's really the it's the human interaction that i'm missing the most yeah yeah i mean we, we all are we're all doing it tough but listen what i say is that uh, if you could pick a countries in the world that you'd want to be dealing with a crisis like this i think we'd all say new zealand I think everyone would say they'd want to be in New Zealand. Favorite music? Who's your who's your bit of an artist that you like? That oh, I'm music? a bit of an old yeah. I, I'm a big fan of um like Fleetwood Mac, Queen, Elton John. Now listen, guys, All we've run oldies. we've run out of time. I know that there's some more questions here that we've got that we haven't had a chance to answer. Um, we've got them. If you want to email them through to me, David at realiq.nz, please do. I will forward them on to Harrison. And I'm, I'm sure that he's a he's a good sort, this lad. He'll answer them for you. He's he's very transparent in, in, in how he... Yeah, definitely will. You know, Sharon, Sharon likes your music, okay? Uh, see, David, Elton oh, John. Uh, it's, oh, God. That's, that's Sharon that's from the Shop. Yeah, that's Sharon. And Julia, who uh, works with you down on the Capitol Coast. Uh, see, David, Elton John. I'm not an Elton John fan. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Elton what... John is good, okay? okay? all right. So anyway, we'll... Um, Thanks a lot for joining us, mate. And, um, you know, thanks to everybody for joining in. Hopefully, we've got Bindi and Orwell next Thursday. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed that we've got a next Thursday. And we'll, I'm sure that we'll get a lot of people who want to tune into this. And, uh, you know, thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. And uh, see you later. See you, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Cheers, everybody. Enjoy your wine. Thank you. Cheers. And I'm gone.